everybody. Recording live from somewhere. Lord, all night Sunday, Central. Follow me now. Say hi, take your rolling hip Not to tour. Same here. Don't think I don't notice that you're always cutting out the songs that I sing in the middle of the podcast. What do you sing? I, I sung something. I sung some cake on the last podcast. Before I that, I did out. American Pie. I had to cut out. Yeah, the, the uh, had something to. happened. <laughs> People wrote to you and said, "Please don't add." I that thought guy. I left your singing in there. No. Well, I, the the cake thing. I know I didn't touch that. Yeah, that's. I feel like I might have had to cut out the American Pie for podcast. some reason. We can do American Pie again if you'd like. We can lead in that way. It's over. No, that was a long, moment. Long you missed the moment. Time ago. Don't try to get rid of. I can still remember <laughs> how, how that, that music used, used to make me smile. It smile, right? Words. I, for some reason, I, I was thinking, "Laugh." I had my chance that I could make those. People dance. Don't do your Michael Jackson right now. Maybe they'd be happy. Maybe they'd be happy for a while, Chris Foyle. Don't do it in the Michael Jackson voice. It's tarnished now, and you know that. That's the only voice I That's have. That's probably why I had to delete it, because you did your... You know who what? sold millions well, and millions of albums doing the Michael Jackson voice? Michael Jackson. <laughs> All right? I, and I haven't sold any albums, so I, I'm just You know who to... sold millions of albums doing the Michael Jackson voice? Joe Jackson. That's who sold us. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that evil f- Halloween mask face. Is he still around? He's still around. He's going to outlive all those kids. Gosh. He yeah, because he didn't do pool. any of the work. That's why. That's no. how you That's how you live forever. You do no work. You you profit off other people, and that's a recipe for to getting to 103. I feel like I'm doing a version of that, and I'm not on pace to live forever. <laughs> Me too. If I get to 68, I'd be happy. I've remembered... I can still remember, by the way, what you remember when I texted you and said you do things you do things that bother me, and I wanted to tell you about it, and I and I did forgot. you remember it? I remembered. Oh, uh, what was it? I spend too much time on this podcast talking about what I like about you. What is there's, it? That... You got you do shit. No, there's and nothing. I'm going to talk about it. Here's the thing: I'm kind of perfect. Number one, okay. And I want oh, there's the, like a list. Just two. A number. Okay, so it's just two. Number one is important, and I want the people at home to know. You curse a lot. No, I in don't. In real life, yes, you in do. In real life, you curse a lot in real life. But what you do, and I notice it when I have to go back and edit these clips, is as soon as we turn on these microphones for the podcast, and you did this in our last podcast too. You shut it down and go and go like family man non cursing, and so the viewers at home and listeners at home think that I'm this uncivilized bum, but you and are I'm cursing and <laughs> I'm being filthy. You curse in life. You curse so much more than I do, and it's one of the reasons that in the last podcast we did, I started just doing candid shots of what it sounded like before. If you go back and look at our and listen to our not our dad's podcast. Every episode starts with Joe not knowing we're being recorded. He's like, yeah, and fucking, hey, fucking, all of it. And then the thing starts, and you're and you're ju- just sweet. It's like, hey, guys. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Welcome to the Not Our Dad's podcast. Cut hey. it off. ABC Family Dad. M- meanwhile, if we sit in Starbucks right now, you talk like a sailor, whether there's family around us or not. And I've seen them at different times be like, 
oh boy, okay, they're covering some stuff over there. And I'm pulling. <laughs> that I guy's pull, going through some. I pull my punches in public, and you're like, yeah, fuck it. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you, fucking. You know what I mean? Okay, here's the thing, and I'm sick I, of it. I'm sick of the people not knowing what's really going on. Well, it's because when I'm not Just on a like, podcast, I'm not thinking about what I'm saying. Or I, I don't know. I think maybe maybe I just tone it down a little bit I think because you're lying to the people. I know. Okay. Anytime I'm performing, even oh, do do I cuss a lot on stage? I don't think so. No, I don't cuss a lot on stage because I yes. use it for emphasis. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I use it for emphasis. I so when I do cuss on the podcast, it's gonna have an impact. You cuss all the time, so That's people right. don't even notice it. That's because I expect. So that. people, you you'll just drop an f bomb. In the middle of a random sentence, and oh yeah, that's just Chris being Chris. But if I drop an F bomb, they're like, "Oh, that dude's pissed." You know why? That dude knows what's up because he I knows how to utilize to have an impact anyway. That's why <laughs> <laughs> I probably curse more than you do on stage, but not in life. You don't. You don't cuss that much on stage either, though. When I'm working through, yeah, it's when I'm getting to the joke, I curse more just as I talk. So I think that if I if it's the first time I tell a joke, I cuss a lot. And right. then little by little, I cut, I kind of don't need that. Once the fat, is yeah, I cut all that cut. out. So that's what I'm doing with the podcast. I just there's no need to no, cuss. It's just me being straight laced. Me. This is just normally who I am. This is uh, no. There's fat on this. <laughs> <laughs> Are you calling? Is this a, is this a fat joke? No, it's not a no, fat okay. joke. Don't you? Don't yeah, you I see how it the, is? You, no. you 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 make a list of things you hate about me. You you bring me in and then you call me fat. Number right, two. That's fine. Number two. Number one, let's establish for the people you curse. Yeah, but not a lot. Like I used to just You curse so much in life. It's like every third like, word. It's like yeah. Do you yeah, know how like much you word. curse in life? Not very much. Oh, you're out of your mind. Here's what I will say when I Whoever, do cuss in front of my family, my mom will call me out on it. And her her go to line is, Is that what you went to college for? So they could <laughs> teach you to cuss? I didn't teach you to cuss. You went away to college and you came back cussing. That's exactly what you went to college for. Yeah, At least you didn't come back smoking. That's true. That was big or in college. with the baby. Yeah. Yeah. Was smoking... Ba- See, I feel like I'm part of the generation that... And I'm older than you, so... <laughs> what? We gave up smoking. Like, it's like kind of a comic thing, I guess. Like, some of the comics smoke, but for the most part, we're from a generation that... for. Per per capita, I don't know if that's appropriate uh, terminology, but we don't smoke that. Uh, we don't smoke as much as, like, the baby boomers. I agree. That I've always said that I don't know how people our age got started smoking because it's never been cool. It's never been like, ah, you wear a jean jacket or a leather jacket and you smoke outside the schoolyard. It was always like, it was always ew growing yeah, it's up. it's like, that dude's disgusting. But I knew a lot of kids that smoked. And also, when I went away to college for the first semester or two, a lot of the kids took the personal freedom of, oh, we're away from the parents' house. Smoking was their rite of passage of, oh, we're going to smoke ciggies because no one can tell us what to do now. So there was an influx of smokers for the first semester or two after I got to college. Yeah, that's how you end up being Len Bias. That's not what happened to Len Bias. Len Bias went from smoking to doing pure cocaine in like one day, and that's what killed him. He didn't gradually build up to it, so it killed him. We don't know that for sure. That's that was a story. No, I read like this smoked. one headline about it. So I'm obviously, <laughs> I'm obviously very well. Think about the people you know who smoked crack. How I many? How I, many one timers? Who? All right. Let me let me ask you this. 
How many people do you know? And we know some dummies. We know quite a we few. We know some really stupid people. Not anybody listening to this, but for sure. A couple. We, know, we, know, <laughs> we for sure know some. We know some dumb folks and some weird, wild folks. How many people in their biggest achievement would celebrate said achievement by smoking crack for the first time? Who on that... Who do you know that would go through a graduation or a big show or a big promotion and be like, you know what? You know what would help tie this whole night together? If I, for the first time ever, smoked crack cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) There's got to be a couple, right? Maybe they're not with us anymore. I don't know, man. They had to have. They would have had to have at least done meth or something. Is I don't I don't know the the pyramid of drugs. So the like I don't know if cocaine's worse than meth or if. I don't know if cocaine is worse than meth or if meth is worse than cocaine or where like LSD falls into this or ecstasy or like any of those molly, whatever. Like, I don't know any of that. I'm not exactly a personal authority on this. But, but you're, the, you're the law. I'm close enough to personal authorities yeah. to tell you that <laughs> meth appears from some very close people to me to be worse than cocaine. <laughs> Meth seems to have done worse to people I know than cocaine has. So I'm going to go meth worse. Is that like the top of the... Is that the top of the top? Nah, probably heroin's the one, right? See, I don't know if heroin and meth are two different things. Heroin's the one that makes me go, ooh. Like heroin's the one... That's a whole... That's new level. Especially like injected. If someone injects heroin, that's a whole other thing. See, that's I don't know an, any ooh, of this, but I can tell dark. you like about fifteen different cuts of meat that are probably killing me faster than heroin. What what's your what cuts of meat are we talking here? What's what's the cut of meat that you you like most? I I'm a I'm a cheap meat guy. What's that? Che- just like any like like pe- <laughs> <laughs> peasant food. That's what that I'll I give like. You some uh, cheap meat I like right some now. some barbacoa. Oh, cheap. Meat. Cheap meat with a P. I thought you said cheap meat. No, like no, no. C H E A T. I got some cheap meat cheap. for you right here. Cheap. I like cheap stuff. It's, a, it's also cheap. Meat. Anything you can throw in rice, beans, like just me too. Just sheer volume of meat. Right. I, I prefer that over like a nice ribeye or a nice sirloin me steak. Too. Just give me like carne asada, a little bit of marinade, and I'm good to go. By the way, you did a new bit this week where you said something in Spanish, but Itza taught you that, didn't you? No, I actually did, had to look that up two seconds I knew before it. I oh, went Oh, you up. said the Beach Boys in Spanish, I which said the is? G- which is uh, Los Chicos de la Barca. You and I'm the, probably the saying playa. it wrong right now. La Playa, the, there you go. Playa. Chicos de la Playa. Worst Mexican ever I'm sitting next Chicos to. De, that's how much thought I put into the, this week of writing as I was looking up Chicos de la Playa <laughs> five seconds before I go up on stage. I'm just like you, though. I'm a fan of what i would call piles of food i like i like food that can be eaten that i can shovel into my mouth i don't like a i don't like a ribeye or a filet mignon that you cut a little piece off and you eat and then you take a little something and you put it in a little asparagus and then you dip a thing i like a big pile of mashed potatoes or rice or macaroni and cheese and i shovel that in and then i get meat and i put thousand island dressing all over it and i shovel and then it all mixes at some point like Uh what's left over is just like this slop yeah and then it's just beautiful and then it's like drunk people i put more sauce on it and i burn all of my meat so that it's all charred and see i can't do burnt meat no no i like to have i i like that medium rare yeah. like that 
I'm big on that, but I will say that carne asada for the most part, it doesn't it the, you it's the whole the damn thing is overcooked anyways. We just took this thing from <laughs> <laughs> crack cocaine to carne asada. That is the, the Mexican carne, crack cocaine. Carne I've seen carne asada ruin lives. This is true. And so lives okay. ruined. So the story on Len Bias was that they say he smoked it for the first time. And he smoked, like, the purest form of it. Like, there was no... Like, typically, like, the whatever form of drug that he did, it's like, that's after you've built up a tolerance to it and you're not getting that same high, so you're freebasing cocaine. Like, you're not snorting cocaine. You're freebasing from, like, a spoon... Right. After being drafted by the Celtics with the second pick of the draft. I'll tell you what, this has been going on to the Celtics for a long time, hasn't it? <laughs> Have they lost a lot? Like, oh, yeah, was it Reggie Jackson? Well, I just mean generally. Lewis Jackson or Jackson Lewis? I don't know, one of those players. Generally, they've been set up to be in really, just like this year, a year ago, they were set up to be a team of longevity that would be a title contender for they, years to come and then just implodes or explodes. Len Bias, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, Reggie Lewis. Reggie, don't get Anthony Davis. I don't even know who a Reggie Lewis is. A young Rick Fox. Rick Fox was on the Celtics? Rick Fox a started with the oh, young Rick Fox before Vanessa Williams. Oh, I don't know who he's... Is, is he married to Vanessa? I don't know who he he's used, married to. He used to be. Oh, no. Viv no he's, Vivica Fox. No, he's married to Eliza Dushku, who sneakily is one of the hottest girls of the 90s. And no, she never gets the credit that she... She is... The female Rick Fox. She never gets the credit she was due for the that she did in the nineties. There's only she's super hot. There's only one queen of the nineties that I'll accept. Can I guess who? Yeah, please. Are you gonna say Pam Anderson? Come on, no. Who of the nineties? Julia Roberts. No. Think who'd be the queen of the nineties? You knowing me, and knowing I'm a sucker for a girl next door slash damsel in distress. Come on. There's one. There's one. Give me some hints. There's only one who's got a song written about. About her? About how amazing she is. Was. I can't, I'm blanking. Jennifer Love Oh, Hewitt. Hewitt. Yeah. Bodies of Goddamn Wonderland. It was about her, allegedly. I. That's 90s. I got into. I don't know what this douche coup is. Eliza Dushku is. See, I'm that's sure what I'm she's saying. Fine. If Jennifer Love Hewitt didn't exist, people would know Eliza Dushku. It's Jennifer Love Hewitt's fault. Yeah, it's it's her fault. I can't hardly wait to Google Eliza Dushku. But I'm one of those people. I root for the underdog, so I, I was a Dushku fan. But I will say the first argument I got in with my mom, like in public, was because I wanted a Jennifer Love Hewitt poster from <laughs> from Spencer's, and she wouldn't get it for me. It was like five dollars, and I still remember it. She was wearing a brown sweater. Nice flowing locks, and I think she's wearing like cowboy boots. And she said, "Is this what I'm going to send you to college for?" To, for <laughs> Jennifer Love, I was probably in like fifth or sixth grade or something. But Jennifer Love, you would for sure. <laughs> she's up there. She's in the pyramid of. Uh, she's the, the the heroine of the '90s for teenage boys. That's the second unrelated mom fight in 14 minutes. Do we need to talk about it? <laughs> no, <laughs> something happened this week. No, this is not our mom's podcast. With not our mom's pat. Yeah, no, things are fine. Kay, She's fine. She's doing all right. So, what's the second thing? What's the thing oh, number yeah. two you don't like about? Established me? number one, you curse and you hide it from the people, and they deserve your honesty. They deserve to Come know. Come on, let's be honest. I just don't curse that much. Oh God damn it, man! 
it's so it's I'll get you. I'm just gonna I'm gonna put a private investigator on you just to follow me around, just to follow you and and get you to eavesdrop on you. And every time you curse, I'm just gonna put out a podcast episode <laughs> of your cursing for two weeks. Not a curser, man. I just you are a cursor. Number two is another thing you do. You text me, which I like. And when you text me, you've got wandering thumbs like I do. So you misspell words and add letters and subtract letters, but you use autocorrect and I don't. So if I misspell a word, you just get an extra word or two and I may correct it. What you often misspell words and it just sent you send me entirely different sentences than you're intending to send me, but you don't correct them. You never tell me what you <laughs> you never tell me what the word is. If you like you'll send me a 12-word sentence and two or three words are wrong and it changes the whole scope of the sentence and you never tell me what you actually meant. And I'll I'll send you a follow-up and be like packing and you'll just go, "Yeah. Eh, you'll get it." Look, I don't I don't got no fucking time to be <laughs> to be to be fixing sentences. <laughs> That was impactful. That was impactful. You see? People see? now people listening to the podcast are like, yeah, that guy has no time to be fixing to be fi- fixing text. Now I got my teaser clip just so Yeah, but you know what you do? <laughs> you don't answer. That's what you don't do. You don't answer. You get extremely upset if you send a text and within the hour if you send a text and an hour later I respond You'll follow up with like, oh, where'd you go? Or like something like some snide <laughs> remark. You will go two days without answering. And it's the same default. I thought I answered this. Uh, and it's uh, like, no, you fucking uh, did it. No, you did it. You didn't think you knew I, you didn't answer that. All right. All right. Oh, fuck. I thought I answered this. <laughs> I like, do. Because most of the time with the last thing I text you isn't really a question. It's just like something I expect some kind of feedback on. And, yeah. and you're like, oh completely forgot and it's like no you didn't no I you did not forget i do forget i answer in my head and you, then i never type it you, you'll but text me a day later i'm I doing like from your <laughs> cubicle like oh i'm losing my soul i got nothing going on it's like you know what you could have done answered my goddamn text no because it had all the misspelled words in it and too many curses that's why I don't well when you start anything. answering then i'll start then i'll start putting more effort into i texted texting. you today at 10 30 this morning and you didn't answer me back. What and I texted it? you. I'll tell you in a second. I said, did you hear back from Chase? And then I texted you at like 4 o'clock. And no, I texted back pretty immediately. No, you didn't. It, was, it wasn't until I texted about the, about the podcast itself that you, you sent me an answer to both of them, which I know very well because I do that to people all the time. No, you too. sent me two things at one time. No way. No do way. you want to do you want to fact check this? Nope. I got I got my phone right here. <laughs> nope, I don't want it. Let's see. You said you let's 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 play back the tape. Okay. You said that you sent me a text at 10:40 in the morning. It had to be close to 10:40. All right. And when when do you claim I responded to you? Later. And I was cool about it. This is probably going to be the worst podcast of all time. It's just us reading back text messages. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, let's see. I'm not that bad at not answering you. I answer you almost every time. You sent me a text at 10.40. On the dot? 10.44. I'm the fucking best, man. Actually, I take that back. 10.45. I'm in touch with the universe. No, he said 10.40 and he can't take it back. Nailed that shit. 
I sit back at tax at 12.23. Okay, so there you go. You were just fucking around at At work At my lunchtime. Bullshit. Oh, you were so hard. So I was probably so busy trying to feed my family with my heart, with my work ethic. And then at lunchtime, I was like, you know what? Let me get back to Chris. We both know that's not true. Let me get back to Chris. You were dicking around all day. When did I send you about the podcast? Was it at the same time? Uh, no, it wasn't. I'm going to guess. 26. Oh, I was going to guess 1120. Yeah. Do you want to talk about what you put? Yeah. We're podcasting today, or we're not friends. <laughs> <laughs> hurry! I've been really wanting to go over this list of things I hate about you. <laughs> that was only. Two. <laughs> Please hurry up and get over here. <laughs> Please hurry. I've gotten through my list, and I feel pretty good about it. I've let America know that you curse. Those aren't two bad things, though. Those are those are things you just got to deal with. No, I would never bring them up if they were bad things on a. Pod- oh, so there's a whole other list. A, no, <laughs> <laughs> you should see list three through twelve. Yeah. It's terrible. That I'm going to save for one of my solo podcasts. I'm just going to get all those out. You know what I hate about you? I've nothing. You know why? Because you're my buddy and I'm, and I'm caring. He's playing the heartstrings. I'm a, I'm a caring, not cusser is what I am. America's dad. Yeah, if it was an actual, if you did an actual thing that bothered me, I would never air it on a podcast. <laughs> I'm not Kevin Brennan, goddamn. You'd it. send it to me at like one o'clock in the morning drunk. Do you ever watch or listen to that guy, Kevin Brennan? You know Neil Brennan, right? Is that his older brother? His older brother. So I knew he had an older brother, but I didn't know who he was or what he does or what, like, you know. Well, his older brother broke as a comedian, obviously, before Neil did, but never kind of reached the, at least the mainstream notoriety that Neil has. And he's, he and Neil don't talk to each other. And he seems to be kind of bitter about the industry. And he's got this podcast called, I think it's called Burning Bridges. He's, he's not that bitter if he has a podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're bitter, but yeah. only to where we can have a podcast. Take it from a guy with a podcast. Yeah, exactly. You're bitter. You're bitter. He's got this thing called Burning Bridges, where that's kind of his whole deal is to name names and call people out. Some of the guys in the group listen to it, and some people love that he, he'll he'll name people, he'll put people by name and trash them. Never been a fan of that. Just never been a fan of, oh, cool, man. See, cool. my approach would be, if that were my podcast, if I if I developed a podcast around the thought of burning bridges, it would be bringing those people in and just civilly discussing what happened. Because I, there's more meat on the bone for that. Because everybody is the the protagonist of their of their story, right? Like nobody does anything to be hateful. That's just the way things happen or the way things are perceived sometimes. Right. But when you hear it from one point of view, like oh, this person didn't put me on their show or this happened or this. It's just like, well, there's another side of that and it's probably because you didn't fit the show. It's probably for whatever reason. But we're only hearing your side and you are always the hero of your own point of view. So for me, I, I'll i probably look it up and I'll probably give it a listen on the ride home today. But I'd prefer like, hey, let's hash it out. Let's, 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 let's talk about how we burned how that bridge was burned neil brennan did that with mark Marin on the mark Marin podcast oh, wow. so they had recorded a podcast that never got um it, it never got released and because neil texts mark and told him don't release it i don't want it out and they did a second podcast which was the first one officially published and neil brennan told him they talked about that and he said yeah i felt like i came in to do your podcast and you didn't have any respect for me 
and I felt like you just see me as Brennan as Brennan's little as brother, Kevin's brother, yeah. and you've always treated me that way. So when I did your podcast, you continue to treat me that way, and it's like no matter what I am, it's like I'm always Brennan's little brother to you. And right. so because of that, like that's a way that's the approach, right? Let's talk about this. But he just goes on there and just shits on everybody. Yeah, and we actually, word number two. We actually FYI on this podcast. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, see, because this is how I'm used to you. No, talking. it's me. <laughs> <laughs> he even one of our friends was actually on his podcast. Uh, uh, Josh Spear. Oh, do you, do you remember? Okay, him? yeah, yeah, real good comic, and he's in L.A. now. He's been in New York. He was in Australia for a number of years. Been all over the place. And he was on Kevin Brennan's podcast, and he had a good time. When I talked to him, Like he had a good time about it. He didn't have any complaints. But I went to check it out. I was like, I want to go hear Josh on this big podcast. And just my observations on it were that the guy wouldn't wouldn't let him like get a word. I, I'm, if you would just stop for a second, I would like to... I know, I know that feeling. Here, Josh. Oh, God damn it. See, <laughs> number th- number three thing I don't like about. <laughs> I know exactly where. So, what is what was his part? Did Josh have beef with them before? No, like, no, what, no. They're buddies. Just on it. They're buddies, and so uh, at least, like I said, Josh didn't have complaints. He had a good time, but I wanted to hear the things Josh was trying to talk about, and it just kept getting cut off by the show it almost seems like the nature of the show is to be combative and to be negative and the narrative of that took over whatever was trying to be added to the show and i was like man you got a great guest i know this guy he's a fascinating dude he's been in the business for 25 years and he's done he's done a bunch of stuff on it he's got some great stories to tell but just for the sake of being that that they they talk about some people some people romanticize about like the new york comedy of like oh you always hear people say, oh, we used to trash each other down at the cellar. You hear comics say that or yeah, all trashing each other back and forth, which is can be fun and funny. But if it takes charge over everything actually interesting, it's like, yeah, great. You guys know how to make fun of each other and know how to step on each other. Congratulations. But I'm not getting a whole lot of entertainment out of this anymore. And so who, who do you name drop on here? Like what? Like, like I'm a, I'm a Neil Brennan fan. Like, right. I, I like his oh, so he'll up, I like yeah he'll name drop he'll go after Neil he'll like he'll just randomly name people in the business who did one thing or another and like I said it's called burning bridges and that's the whole purpose you had speaking of the getting people together you either had a podcast like that or you were going to do it it was a thought that I had so I, I which had, would have been cool uh, yeah but it's I I don't know if I can articulate myself in a in a way in certain issues like like if i talked politics with mike Harmon, he's obviously going to win that because i'm just not as well versed in politics um and don't have the energy for and, it. but uh, yeah and also it's great to name drop people who other people know right if i if i brought tyson paul on and i was like hey i feel tension between us let's talk about this Nobody knows who Tyson Paul is. No, not that people know who I am, but I mean, like, it would be it would just be too much inside baseball, right? Um, but the whole thought of it was just okay. I have this thing with somebody or this opposing view, um, and it was something as simple as like, "Hey, I, 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 you put nine people on your show, and I hate that. And not only do I hate that, I've openly." 
talked about how I hate that. Right. But here's the thing. Let's talk about that. Why do you do that? Right. And that, and that it's never wrong. Right. Like you, if it's your show, you can put as many people as you want, but let's have a dialogue about that. Right. Like let's a friendly debate. Yeah. Show. Let's, let's talk about why I would do four versus you doing nine. Let's talk about hosting and why you do it. Why I feel it should be done a certain way and why you you feel it should be like what are the, these differences but not only with comedy but just in general right yeah. like it, like a life discussion with somebody about different aspects yeah we're still friends or friendly but we have a disagreement in theory or practice about something let's talk about it and see if we understand each other's position can explain it or if we sway one person to the other side and maybe we we leave off how we started still at a disagreement right but now we're taking this issue that we both disagree on and at least understanding, like I said, our perspective on it, right? right? Why I feel four people is a perfect amount of people for a show and why another person may feel like it's nine. And and people can relate to that on both sides. Yeah, it, but it's also maybe I'm wrong, right? May, but give me give me why you're the hero of this discussion. Like right. why... Why are you right and I'm wrong? And then I'll just... It's just friendly debate. It's well, hot takes. Comedy hot takes. Comedy hot takes. Hot, comedy hot takes. And in some cases, both sides can be right. I've been on the side where I want three or four comics to be on a show. And I've been on a side where I think I feel like I need eight or nine comics to be on a show. Because maybe, maybe one of those comics on the bill can't carry 45 minutes. Or maybe I think a crowd doesn't want to listen to a particular unknown comic for more than 15 to 20 minutes or whatever. It is. And I can explain that and you can go, yeah, I kind of see that, but I would still, and we can, we can. Yeah. Talk it, talk it out. So, and I've been wrong plenty of times. I remember when I was running at a show, running a show with Tyson and with Ernesto at a place called on the rocks. And I was so set on having five comics on the lineup that was five comics and a host. That w- that was my magic number, and I was like, "We need five. And then one of them ended up pulling out, and it was one of them that was actually pretty close to. I think he was close to Ernesto. Okay. And I remember like berating Ernesto and being like, <laughs> "You booked him. He canceled, and you knew he would cancel. Like he he's a flake. And now we're left with this shit show. And it's like, yeah, in reality, I actually ended up at a number that now I feel is the perfect amount." And now, but in my head, at the time, you couldn't convince me that five wasn't a good number, and I didn't approach it the r- the right way. Like I remember being like really openly angry with Ernesto, and in that, we were both wrong in the sense that, like, yes, he didn't get a commitment from somebody, and we were kind of putting this person on a flyer. We were promoting around it, but at the same time, my approach was it's fine and this is this is years ago in old school bakersfield comedy when everything kind of mattered a little more intensely because there wasn't really any scene yeah everything mattered because there wasn't there wasn't as much opportunity right so every shot matters if you bring people in and you you don't put on a good show people weren't ever going to show up again like there was no yeah, maybe they just don't like our kind of form of comedy and they can just go find it down the street. Like now there's, you know, there's everybody's cup of tea in town, but there wasn't that. So our shows had to have a little bit of everything 
but not go overboard on too much alt comedy, too much bar comic, right? Like too like I remember having bar comic, alt comic, uh, storyteller comic, like all in the same show because you had to think about how it wasn't about complimenting each other. It was about giving everybody who would show up something to like when they leave. And if to me, if bar comic didn't show up, if alt comic didn't show up, now there's going to be people that leave that were like, okay, this whole show sucked. Right. right. I was probably overthinking it at the time, but that's a perfect example of how to me, I felt like I was in the right. And I felt like I was, you know, the white knight of comedy and this is the perfect show. And I ended up like getting upset at a person I consider a friend and they didn't do anything wrong. It's just I was the asshole in that situation. Well, and sometimes there's just natural tension. I, I had a marketing professor that used to say, used to in, in a couple words encapsulate what it's really tough to explain. He would always say cooks and waitstaff. You know, it's just cooks and waitstaff. There are certain, there are certain areas where either certain people or certain positions or classes of positions, no matter what happens, are going to fight. And when when you're in a restaurant, there's a natural tension between the cooks and the waitstaff because the waitstaff has to face the people. The cook staff has to deal with mayhem in the back and manage all that. And the waitstaff is the first line of defense to the public that, that gives the thumbs up or thumbs down whether but, you're good or not. But also the waitstaff gets paid. The waitstaff gets paid. That's a lot tips. of tension. I, I used to be back at house before, like in college, I had a back of house job. And here's another po- source of tension. The cook's performance affects the way that the waitstaff gets paid, which is a problem. Especially when the cook, see, the cook can push, could push out a, a thousand meals a night. His, his salary isn't going to change. That's right. But yeah, so it's one of those things where no matter what, there's this... They naturally ride each other. I just, I have one right now in my venue that I run comedy stuff out of. There's one or two people that we have a, in, in order to run shows, we're going to have a natural tension with each other. And there's, there's one person that no matter how diplomatic I'm going to be, it just happened today. No matter how diplomatic I'm going to be, this person's always got to say a little thing. Just got to say a little extra. It's something. It's just a nudge. Just a little just a little something. Or if I come in with a good attitude to be like, hey, how do you want to work to try to be like helpful? Like, how do you how do you want to work through this? I can be flexible is going to just is is going to step on that is going to just it's going to bore right through it. And I'm wired in a way, as you very well know, that handles that very poorly on certain occasions. And so there's always going to be a butting of heads between me and this person, no matter. It just happened three hours ago over nothing. Walk in with a check of like, hey, I want to start promoting this. Uh, do you want to do it this way? Ah, well, it was a physical know. walk-in? Like you walked I, in I walked, into Tumblr today? I walked in, and I guess this person wasn't – maybe they just weren't expecting me, so they were their whole self at that particular time. And I was – I was ready for it, so I was on the diplomatic side. But then, there, like I said, there's just that little extra, and I dragged myself out of there before I said the little extra. But I sold, said a little bit of the little extra, and it's always gonna, no matter what. It doesn't mean either of us is right or wrong. I'm right. It doesn't mean either of us is right or wrong. I'm definitely right. Um, it just means that no matter what happens, 
me and this person are geared towards button heads and uh, and our main job is to now manage that so that it doesn't turn into a problem and to do our best to harness it so that it it helps for the shows and and just to not get derailed from it and so far for three and a half years well i guess three years we've been able to keep it on the tracks even even knowing that it's always going to be there but that would be a good conversation for like that podcast Oh God! Like I couldn't imagine. Like it. if you had to sit down with said person and be like, "Okay, here's the thing. I've been doing this show there for three for three years, running this mic. Here's this is this is what we ask for every week. These five things, and for some reason, there's always a problem with number five. No matter what number five is, it's always something, right? And it's always like, why? And this is like, where- what are the five things I have to give you that maybe I'm giving you shit on on number five, and you're just kind of I'm. Am I reciprocating something? Like, am I missing something here? And this is where, for me, being being a person that sounds too aggressive. Yeah, like, that's the thing. You're very aggressive. I'm about, very aggressive. Yeah. So sometimes I just have to pull off. I just have to pull my, I and not say anything at all because it's gonna come off the wrong way. I don't know. It's it's that East Coast thing. I think we just sound a little bit more boorish because I would love to. I would love to sit down with said person or a number, a couple of other people, just in general, and say, hey. Do you know that you act like this? Do you know that you sound like that this is how you act toward people? But that doesn't come off good. It comes off abrasive and like and like harsh from me. Well, because with you, a misunderstanding, like a, a, a perceptual misunderstanding of like person's actions sounds so concrete. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's like, mean? it's not... <laughs> in in no way is it you misinterpreting what's being said it's just like you that's you, what it is y- yeah like that's what it is yeah. but there's a chance that it could just be like well here's the reason why i do this yeah but it's like oh, in you- your head you you have it kind of said that like like it's it, you come from just a naturally like a little bit more combative that's, corner. That's who you are. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like I probably articulated that really poorly, but no, I get. Do you I know get, what I mean? Like I it's like you're with you. You have to like calm you down. Yeah. To get like so then you we can talk about some shit like where cuss word three, um, but um i understand like you that's just that's what makes you you well i come from a place that's i feel like more conscious of things like that because you're so close to a confrontation at any time you're more the people i know back home are more self-aware of their actions and what that's going to do either to other people or bring back on them i i always preach what i call social contract which is if everyone just think if everyone acted the way that you're acting right now what would society be like and it could be small like just small mundane things so you're in a crowded lobby and instead of using headphones someone starts listening to a song or taking a phone call on speakerphone with 12 other people in the room all right there's 12 other people in the room imagine all 12 of us pulled our phone out and put placed a call on speakerphone right now what this room would sound like right how don't you know how do you not know that this is how you're coming off. And so and so me being extra self-conscious of my actions and how I'm conducting myself around somebody, if someone else doesn't do that, if someone else is just being rude for the sake 
or taking a dig at somebody or myself for the sake. It's an extra of like, I'm, I'm coming this way, trying to think of how this would impact your day. How are you not doing? And it sends me into a tailspin. Because most people don't. They don't. They just. He- here. Here. <laughs> here. Here in this town. Here, espe- like, uh, here especially. And like I said, as I've moved out west, I've had to soften and soften and soften a little bit. But I come from the land of someone just going, yo, look at you. What the fuck's the matter with you? Like, I, uh, yeah, that's not that's not how we operate. You here. never hear someone say, "Look at you." This is the land of passive aggressiveness. That's right. No one, no one here. I, I've never heard someone say to another person here, "Look at you." What the fuck is wrong with you? Here, it would be like, "Oh, I guess, uh, I guess we're all just listening to our music out loud." All right, like it, it's that's how we that's that's our for that's our form of. And like, that's what happened to me today. I got it. I got a passive aggressive. Oh. Maybe we could just, and I wanted to go, oh, do you want to talk about one, two, and three? But I, that's normally what I do, but I didn't. Do you want to, do you want to talk the specifics? But I didn't, I didn't do it today. I, I, let, it, I let the concrete go. See, we're, we're softening you. I'm definitely. You've, I've, you've become softened. I've softened a ton. I've had to. You can't survive back home Cause, now. Because you, like, you just sound like such a douchebag here if you don't soften a little bit, which I feel is unfair, but I've accepted it. It's the tax. It's one of the taxes of. Yeah, welcome to California. Right. Welcome, welcome to to Central. Well, it's not, <laughs> this is just a California thing. It, I don't know. I've been here majority of my life, so I don't know. I probably I couldn't function back east. Ah, you do okay. It, it's it, me. I, Think about me living in your hometown. No, you do okay. You you would you like, would I, do fun. I, you, I just passive aggressively just like. <laughs> That's why we get along so well. Though. Oh, you, so we don't have air conditioning in this establishment now. Okay, good. <laughs> oh, oh, good. Only Just, two ice cubes? Fine. <laughs> yeah, that, I don't think I'd survive back back in your hometown. No, I can I, barely survive in this hometown, so. I think you'd do fine. I don't I, know, man. Uh, speaking of aggressiveness, in your in your, I t- like that you always transition us into the next thing. I appreciate it. I got it. it. I, I want I, you to know I appreciate the alley-oop. Of course. That's, <laughs> well, I, when I did your podcast, The Free Lunch Kids, podcast you were the point guard for me that's true that's you, true you, you were you that f- one podcast that I, I put out and i gotta tell you it was nice because it, yeah it, it's, it's it's nice there's a little bit of there's a little more pressure when it when it's when it's your thing right and you gotta just right like you you kind of you know you're the assist man you hear that but i, I want to let you know i appreciate it no Have thing you, number awesome thing number one about me i'm very very appreciative of, yeah that's of right, that's one of the awesome things about joe is he recognizes when i do something nice (laughs) in 10 years speaking of my aggressiveness have you ever been in a a real like an almost physical confrontation with a heckler another if it's another comic we won't do names anyone there's because my last episode that I just released... It was the Heckler's to, episode, right? It was it was a brief Heckler's episode, but off the top of my head, I think it was five or six people that that I came too close to putting hands on or them maybe wanting to try to put hands. I'm not a very physical person. Like, just in general, it's just not my nature to get physical or, like, want to, you know, fight, so to say. Um, I get more upset with comics that are on the show with me than I do most audience members because audience audience members for the most part 
if they ran into a show, I just show up, there's this comedy show, I thought we were going to be celebrating somebody's life, but now here we are with this comedy show. Yeah. Um, I don't blame them for that. Okay. Like, I don't blame an audience member who thought they were going to come have a drink and get to hang out with their buddy, and now they have to shut the hell up because I want to tell jokes. What, right? about, what about one that buys a ticket and is a piece of shit? See, I always feel, not always, this, this isn't always the case before I throw out a blanket statement. I feel if you have a good host and a good opener, that should reduce any amount of heckling that you that that anybody else is going to experience because I feel like a host should acknowledge, let them participate a little bit, and then make it very obvious that we're moving on now, right? right? And that's how I typically try to handle a heckler where it's like, I'm going to give you a little bit, and then we're. I, I may even let you win the exchange, right? But then I'm going to acknowledge the fact that it's time to move on, and if I have to acknowledge you again, I'm going to get everybody on my side, and we're going to... I'm going to let the crowd take care of this. Like I'll, I'll say something along, like, can we get this guy to shut the fuck up, right? Yeah. Cuss word four. Like, I'm proud I'll, of, I'm I'll, proud bring, of you. I'll bring everybody into it, so it's not me versus them, because... My fear on stage is to have the crowd turn against me because I need them. I need them for the rest of my set. I need you to be emotional with me when I need you to be emotional. I need you to laugh when I need you to laugh. I need you to be on board with me, but you're not going to be if you turn on me. And if I show myself, if I let a heckler take me out of that and I let them and I step out of my act, I stepped out of my set to acknowledge them and then I turn into the asshole, I will let them interrupt my set i will not let them ruin my set i will not let them derail me for what i'm trying to do the rest of the night the only times i've ever had problems with hecklers are early because i didn't know how to handle it immediately it was like let's get mean and you have a microphone in your hand and you're three feet on top of everybody else and you think people like you, so you think <laughs> that when you get off stage, people are going to have your back. Right. Right? Like, you think, oh, no, I'm funny. People are here to see me. Nobody's here to see me. Uh, <laughs> 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 the Chris Flell under the under under the voice reality of nobody's here to see me. Um, so you think you're going to step off stage and people are going to have your back. I learned quickly that that's not the case. Nobody's here to see me. They just are, if I'm lucky, they're here to, to see a comedy show. Um, so initially when I first started doing comedy, it was like, okay, I'm going to berate them. I'm going to make fun of them. I'm going to cuss at them. I'm going to, like, I didn't know how to use the crowd as a vehicle to get somebody to be quiet. Uh, and how to get agreement from them, right? It's a, it's a delicate dance. Yeah, it's, it really is because it's something that if you're not equipped to do it, like my approach is... I'm going to let you have a little bit, and that's fine. It's a comedy show. That's just a variable that's going to happen. But I'm going to make everybody else agree with me that you need to stop. Right. And then I'm going to make you agree with me that that you need to stop. Right? It's like, are we done? Yeah. I'm just going to ask you a simple, are we done? Are we good? Can we move on? And if you say yes, then we can move on. And most most typically, that always works. Like, they just, they're quiet the rest of the time. And you're in the and you're in the point if you do that that if they keep going you can have them escorted out. Yeah. Hey, let's 
let's get him out of here. I will play back and forth with you for a little bit, but if you try to make this whole set and night about you, you got to go. And that's where I feel like as the person on stage, whoever's on the show with you, if you've acknowledged it and you've moved on once or twice, to me, um, one of one of my many unwritten rules, comic who went up already, it's their job to escort them out. If it's not the venue's job, right. because A, they're not going to lose anything because they already went up, right? There's no, hey, that's the guy who took out that, that heckler outside or whatever, right? It's... It's them. It, hopefully, it, they, there's enough awareness to be like, okay, I'm on the show. Or I was on the show. Now they're interrupting the show. I should probably get them to be. There's and there's locally like there's a lot of comics that will do that, and I've actually seen it. Like, hey, you got to go, or hey, like, I'll be the bad guy here because there's no reason for me to be the good guy anymore. Um, but I can't say I've ever gotten. I've had a guy threaten to stab me. When I was on stage once. That was me. On Union. <laughs> uh, and I, I just told him, like, I'm going to fight you. I wasn't going to fight him. And then I. I <laughs> was this on, where at on Union? That was on Union. It was a place called Vinny's Bar. I might have told, Holy I, I made a, I've made a, I may have touched on this on an earlier podcast, but it was a place called Vinny's Bar. I'm eight months into comedy. Oh my God. And it was me, my buddy Chase. And we're just not fit to be in this establishment. But at the time, there's literally anybody who would open their doors to us. We'd be willing to go and put on a show. Right. So, I I mean, and, and, and Chase is like an alt comic. I mean, not necessarily alt, but he's more political. He's yeah. a very smart writer. And we're talking to people who are, not. you know, we're on union. And not like union how you and I think of union, like Rocket Shop Union. We are in what below Iron Horse... Like, like this place is closed now for a reason. Okay, for those of you not from Bakersfield, when you are on a show, no matter where you are in this city, when you bring up Union Avenue, it immediately elicits relatable laughter of like, oh, I know you were in some shit there. Yeah. Think about, all right, the worst street in your particular city that's Union. It's either Union. Union either is the worst street that we've got or it leads to the worst streets that we've got. All of the bad neighborhoods flow off of a particular place in Union. And there are all these crazy bars and restaurants, a lot of which decide to try comedy. So we've been to a bunch of them. Now, on, on the other side of Union is one of the best places that we've got. And it's our home of comedy. That's the rocket shop, and it's on what's called the nice side of Union. But in order to get there, you get off the highway and drive for three or four blocks through just pure madness um, to to get there. I mean, you're looking at prostitutes, drug dealers. uh, More prostitutes. More prostitutes. Violent crime incidents. Um, selling exotic birds for some reason, transient people, stolen property. And that's the that's on the right side off the highway, which is the good side. If you make a left, you're just in the terror dome at this point. And, and, and that's where you were. That's exactly where we were. We were at the very end of Union. And this bar it is a biker... It's like a, it's this really weird like mesh of like bikers are there, but also cholos. Do you think it's still in business? 
No, I know it's not in business. I, love I know one hundred percent that it's not. I love when two groups of savages live in somewhat harmony. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like a like a cafeteria in San Quentin is what it's like. Yeah. Like like inside of here, there's rules, but when we leave, we're gonna stab each other. Yeah. But but we like this bar, so nobody get in fights it's inside. A, it's of a this demilitarized bar. zone. Yeah. So it's it's like this real common place where they can they share ground. Well, we did a comedy show there, and. I was doing a bit. I actually still have the bit. I don't do it too often, but it was about... Was this just you and Chase? It was me, Chase. I don't think Tyson Paul was on the show, but it was so early that Tyson Paul very well could have been on the show. Yeah. Me, But I know me and Chase were on it, and maybe one other person, a guy named Bobby Dietrich or something. Okay. He was on the show. Um, but it was very early on where we're still getting our, we're still getting our feet wet. Like, we don't know how to handle anything at this point we don't know that this is probably a bad idea we Mm -hmm. don't know what we don't know there was nobody to be like hey maybe don't do a show there maybe you're better off being at home writing maybe you're better off being at a bookstore and reading a book about jokes maybe you're better off online researching other places like literally anything we could have done with the time would have been better than that show you might not come out of here exactly so and sorry, you were doing a bit. So we were, I was doing a bit. I do this really old bit about joining a gang. And I still I like kind of, point. I still bring it out it every once hits. in a while. Yeah, it's still okay. People steal your punchline for that. Yeah. I don't know if they know, but I know. I know. No, I'm kidding. I don't no, know. I, yeah, they, they take it. I'll, I'll see if you get to it. Yeah. And so I'm up there and I'm talking about, part of the bit is like talking about how there's a lot of gangs where I live and... Uh, you know, I I should probably join one, or I was thinking about joining one, or however the bit plays out. And there's obvious gang members in this place, <laughs> and I'm up here talking about how I want to join a gang. And when a guy heckled, when I I don't even know at what point in the joke he heckled, um, but my immediate my immediate reaction was to say something along the lines of like, "Yeah, of course you fucking say something, gang <laughs> member, right?" Like, yeah. And he didn't take too kindly to that. And once again, I'm three feet above everybody else. I have eight friends there. Uh, I'm telling jokes. I think I'm funny. I'm not funny. And (laughs) I'm uh, eight eight months in. Eight months in. And so, uh, you know, there's this thing about being on stage where you put me on the spot. And if you're not, if you haven't been doing it long enough, you immediately react with like being hateful or just doing something that you know that in five minutes when you get off stage, you're immediately going to regret. You shoot for the epic takedown instead of doing whatever needs to be done to address the situation. You're not trying to be graceful. Like when I first started dealing with hecklers, I always wanted to shoot for the epic takedown. And then I almost got in three fights and I'm like, well, we can't do this. Every why single is this, night. Yeah. Why is this happening? Oh, it's me. So you got so sometimes someone yells out and you go, that didn't really affect the room. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear it. Yep. But back then, eight months in, you don't have any of that wisdom. You're just throwing all guns at whoever makes a noise. And and when you're that or when you're doing comedy that early on, you think everybody hears everything, but they don't. Right. Like, so it may just have thrown me off that this person said something. And therefore, I'm going to point them out. But in reality, looking back on it, I don't know Like, if I had gone up there today, if it really affected the room, like you said, it may not have. But then I called him out and kind of berated him. And he said and he said something along the lines of like, oh, yeah, fool, when you get off, I'm fucking stabbing you. Oh, God. And 
I'm going to guess that this guy follows through on his threats because it's immediately as soon as I got off the stage, the bar owner took me through the kitchen, like had to escort me because the bar owner kicked him out for threatening me. But then he told everybody at the bar he's going to wait for me outside. Oh. So he exits through the front of the bar. Uh, so he's escorted out. I didn't have to initiate that. The bar owner took him out. But then the bar owner immediately after I get off stage is like, hey, you got to go. Uh, it's not safe. I'm going to take you through the kitchen. And I walk through the kitchen. And this has obviously happened a lot before because, like, it doesn't even phase the kitchen staff. Like, this guy's just walking through. This is like the complete opposite of Goodfellas. <laughs> complete opposite. You know, I'm, when he walks through the kitchen because he's the big boss, like he's the man. And yeah, they put him a table right up front. Nope, not me. Yeah, they escort me out. Uh, he he has one of my friends start the car, meet him around back, so he tells him where to park so that they can escort me out. Because this guy was literally waiting for me outside, and I'm twenty one at the time, twenty twenty one, something like that. Like I had to be twenty one because I could be at the bar. Basketball jersey, I'd bet. Yeah, well, actually, funny enough, I actually had we had a sponsor for the show, <laughs> oh. and we were wearing the sponsor's T-shirts. Something I would never do now. Oh, no. Something I would. Who was, who was the sponsor? Uh, it was a tattoo parlor, and the tattoo parlor gave us shirts that we thought were cool. That's so, actually cool. So it was like, okay, we're wearing, and they actually kind of fit the, the theme of the place because it was like this. Like Dia de, lo, de los Muertos T-shirt, yeah. Uh, but they they took me out back. They took me out, and that's that's probably the the bigot like the thing that stands out to me the most when I think of like hecklers. That's pretty harsh for your first year of comedy. Yeah, my first year was my first year was a, a complete roller coaster. Is I'm sure like everybody else's first year is, but with hecklers like dealing with hecklers, I don't think I've I learned how to deal with them until about year two year two to year three when somebody and somebody literally had to sit me down and be like okay this is what you want to do uh i was having i think what what ventura harbor comedy club and i took down a heckler just i cussed a lot in doing it and now i know you kind of use that just more as a tool so we've heard so you know <laughs> for impact i'm just saying yeah. cussing if yeah. you're gonna cuss let it make it have a little impact sure um but when I went out back, I was talking to one of the comics. He's like, "Yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to mess up the show for everybody else. Like, you don't want to make it awkward for everybody else, and you don't want to make it awkward for the rest of yourself. You want everybody on board with you." Um, but before that, it was like, like you. I mean, not to that, not to that extreme. Like, I didn't want to end up on YouTube taking down a heckler or anything like <laughs> yeah. that. I just wanted. I, you know, I spent all day thinking about what I was going to do tonight. And then all of a sudden somebody's trying to throw me off. So it's like, immediately it's just like anger, right? It's right. like, you don't know what I've been doing all day. And I've been working on this joke for three weeks and I'm finally going to get to tell it. And here you are, you know, you know, you're funnier than yeah. him and you want to be like, I'm going to shut you down the same way that he used fear over you to say, I'm going to stab you in the parking lot. You want to do the same thing to him and go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stab you with this joke. With this joke. I'm going to stab you with my words. Yeah, my jokes cut like razors. But here's the thing. If you're listening Puto. if you're listening to this podcast and you ever host a show, because I know some comics listen to this. Here we go. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give you a little time to get your pen. Thank you. You got your pen? You got your paper? Okay, here we go. That's going to be a good sound effect. Don't. Start any show off 
by asking 40 questions in no, a row. absolutely not. Because what happens is it automatically, don't ask questions of the audience. You can say, hey, how's everybody doing tonight? Like, that's fine, right? You can ask simple questions. But if you ask polarizing questions up top on a show, do we have any 49er fans in here? Woo! Oh, boo! If you have a Raider fan, boo! boo. If you ask 40 questions... What happens is you're going to get people who are like, okay, we've established that we can just yell through shows, right? So now I'm just going to be this person. I came to be civilized. You let me be an animal, so I'm going to be an animal the rest of this show. And that ter- that can turn off a crowd to the next comic. This is This brings light into, I was going to tell a story about a time when I creeped out a crowd one time by by getting too real with a heckler it was at a Tembler show you might have been on it <laughs> which show was it it was just a showcase of of regional people so i had zalusky on it and then josh spear i had up next and i think anna closed out the show anna valenzuela okay i don't think i was on that show because I, I, I haven't been on a show with zalusky so zalusky likes to do a lot of crowd work yeah he that's zalusky somebody you want at the end of a show fosters the chaos I knew that, but for some reason it didn't register in my brain. So I should have been ready to deal with... I know... So Zaleski goes up, does crowd work, and does it has it like they love it. It's a great set. Somebody keeps... Some dude keeps yelling out. He's wearing a tank top, and it's in like February. He's just that guy. He's in the crowd, and he's like he's... He's got decent arms, and he just wants everybody to know it. Like oh, he, yeah, that was me. He did some... That's Joe. That was me. He did some curls that day, and he, he just... He thought... That 250 people would be going, instead of watching the show, would at some point in the night look at each other and go, wow, look at how nice that guy's arms are. He's that He's that guy. But they were just regular arms. He was just that guy. They're <laughs> just regular arms. <laughs> I wouldn't fuck them. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and I like a good set of pipes. Everyone knows that. Everyone... <laughs> so, so Lusky, That's going to have to be one of the promos. That yeah, it should be. Zalusky... Is uh, on stage and he's dealing with this guy, and everybody kind of wants the guy to shut up because he keeps talking. But Zalusky keeps kind of handling him and then starts poking at him a little more and like inviting him in and then smacking him harder, but in a nice way. And then he gets off stage and and what I know is that you in Tembler you can't really see the crowd, so Josh is really good at doing crowd work too. But he likes to do crowd work in a New York sense where you're, you're just diving into the crowd. You can see the crowd. They can see you. It's conversational. This is just a heckler yelling out in the dark. Like, Zaleski was crushing by calling him Jeff randomly, the way people call Wolf, wall punchers Kyle now. And the crowd was loving that. But he couldn't see the guy. I know that Josh wants to do his jokes or to be able to have a conversation with a crowd member that he can see. And, and only one of those is an option. So it's my job to get the crowd back to accepting monologue at this point. And this guy keeps, I, I try to transition and this guy steps on it. And I try to transition and this guy steps on it. And I say a little thing to him and the crowd laughs. And then he keeps talking and me just off the top of my head being East Coast Christopher goes, buddy, look. I'm going to tell you <laughs> I'm going to tell you one more time. I'm going to tell you one more time. You got to stop talking. 
Um, I'm about to bring up the next comic, and if you keep talking, I'm going to be off stage, and I'm going to come down there to tell you to stop talking, and that's going to go really bad for you. And Ooh. and that's what I and, and and right. That's the same reaction you got is. And they they didn't go like, "Ooh, he's yeah," in but trouble. I mean, like they seized, and the crowd went, "Oh, he's he's mean. Yeah, he's going to hurt that guy." I I I wasn't going to like tussle with the guy while Josh was on stage, but to them it sounded like. Oh, he's gonna, oh, like he's he's gonna beat up that guy if he talks again, and now I creeped out everybody, and I'm like, <laughs> just kidding, everybody. Here's Josh. Yeah, you crossed the line. I crossed their. You line. crossed the line, and that happens like when you're going back and forth with somebody, where, like in a group, if people are making fun of each other, and then somebody crosses, and then it just stops everything. That's what. That does to a comedy Someone show. It made just it, stops. It made it awkward. I call it you made it real dot com. Yeah, and it's <laughs> like, oh, uh, and a host if he's too playful with the crowd can can fuck the other people on the show. That if a host goes, hey, who's married? How long you been married? Twenty years? Ah, you're not having sex anymore, are you? What are you doing? You doing anal? Come on, tell me the story for twenty minutes, and then you come up and they start yelling out, and you go, hey, I'm gonna have to ask you to stop. They look at you and they go. Why? The host just let us talk. You must be a bad comic then if you can't, oh, be funnier. Yeah, and what happens is... I'm talking about a very specific guy as a host. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. What happens, though, is like most people who come to a comedy show, I think at some point have thought about, oh, I I would like to do comedy. I enjoy comedy. Obviously, I'm at this comedy show. Um, Here's the thing. I don't like going on stage. I don't have any jokes. Uh, but I think I'm funny or I could potentially be funny. And I'm not scared of anybody. And so what happens is you kind of let them be a part of the show without having any responsibility, without having to ever write a joke, right? And so if they do something that catches a laugh, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm helping the show. I'm going to do my part from down here. And it's like, no, you're not. But the host should have handled that. And the host didn't. And when the host invites that... I absolutely hate that. I absolutely hate coming out asking 50 questions. You can ask questions, but you have to answer the damn questions yourself. Like, Andrew Boydson does a really great job, local comic, of when he's hosting, he'll ask a question, then he'll answer the question himself. Yeah. What do I look like? I know a fisherman, (laughs) right? It's like, doesn't even, and he probably doesn't even know he's doing it, but it's like, but there's obvious cheerleading where it's like, uh, we're lucky and. There's not a lot of people who do it, but there's obvious cheerleading of like, right. there's times when that's maybe needed, maybe at a rocket shop open mic when it's not a good night and getting something from them is better than getting nothing, right? Engaging them in some way may help the rest of the show, Yeah, but it's not on a, on a 80, 90 person show. It's not at a Tumblr show and it's not at a premier rocket shop show. It's not, and, and it's not the right place for, it's not the right venue for that. I'll tell you when I do it sometimes, I'll do it at the Timbler open mics to start the show. I'll kind of pull the audience and, and do a little back and forth because the crowd has gotten trained to where they know the show's going to start at about 7.05, 7.10. So now they're not showing up. They show up in full force, but they don't show up until 7.10. Yeah, it's a ghost town until so, about... Yeah, yeah, until then. Right. So I start the show, and as I start the show, there are 30 or 40 people still walking in sometimes. And chairs getting set. And for one thing, i got to take the bullet 
to make sure that the first comic doesn't have to deal with that as much as I can. And two, I want to work on my shit too. That, that's why my, all my sets suck at Tumblr. That's it. Because I'm always number three <laughs> and people are still walking in and they're not ready for me. Well, they're not, you know, they're not, the host sucks. So I have to go. The host, the host is dog shit. He's always trying to fight people. No, but that's actually something I fight with at Tumblr because I'm always three or four and the crowd is still coming in. Still they're, haven't, they're still not, haven't had know, their first drink still yet. Still haven't had the first drink. Still waiting for their order. Still, and, but it's it's kind of why. I mean, I do it because I most of the time need to get out of there and raise some kids. But it kind of helps in a weird <laughs> way where it's like, good. I'm uncomfortable and I should be right because like at Rocket Shop, I'm a lot more comfortable. Not lately, but I mean, I'm a lot more comfortable there. Right. And it's too easy where it sh- you should put yourself in difficult situations Again. like sign up first, second, third. Yep, that's why that's why I do hosting, being up first, Tumblr. It's, it's why I do last at Rocket Shop. And every week, this week was no exception. By the eleventh person, I'm going. Why didn't I just sign up sixth? I could be out of here right now. There's there's another eighty minutes before I even go up. But it's one. Of, it forces you to like. This is. I'm going to feel like killing myself unless I drum up the thunder. For I have to give what I've got, or else this is going to be a disaster. And you, but also, you don't want to have wasted your whole night, right? Like if you stood there for the 90, minute, ninety minutes of comics, and you're going to go up and you're going to not do well, or you're you're not going to give it your all, like. Mm-hmm. But I know me. If I went up fifth, I'd go. Oh fuck it. Yeah, I'll so do a little work. Yeah, like you do. You kind of chuck and work. jive a little bit. And yep. you, you there's you didn't. There's not as much sunken cost into going up third or fourth or fifth. Where if I stay till Rocket Shop and I go on dead last, like I better have a really good set, right? Because I don't want to leave having wasted an hour and a half of my life and got nothing from it, right? Where I like I I didn't try anything new, I didn't do like it was just a complete time suck for me. I mean, other than the great sandwiches that they have there, sure, yeah, they're so, fantastic sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. great so. chicken fingers and French fries. Can't beat it. <laughs> Can't beat the lineup of and every once in a while they got the New York strip steak special. Esther, yeah, you're a weird eater there. Esther, best best waitress of all time. She's she's really on top. She's of the things. best. She's the best of all time. She knows exactly when to come refill your cup. She knows exactly, <laughs> you know. She knows. Yeah, she, she, does. Knows. She, knows she knows. She knows the whole deal. Up. So, back to Vinny's. After that night, did you ever go back? No. Oh, good. And so, not only was it my last show there, it might have been one of the last days of Vinny's. Period. That bartender must have done some shit in his life, huh? Yeah. If he threw, all right, the guy who the guy who threatened to stab you, the bartender had to grab you and say, "Hey, it's not safe. You've got to leave out of the back door now." That same guy said, "Yo, out of here." Yeah. And the guy listened. Well, I mean, I'm sure he doesn't want his establishment closed down. Like it's, you know, like, hey, right, but like, look at Martinis. Nine people get shot in the parking lot. Allegedly, All of a sudden you're not allegedly, around. allegedly. Um, they got shot. Definitely, got shot. <laughs> <laughs> but that it can just you, can you believe that shit? By the way, knowing oh, yeah, all the I people, do believe it. Knowing, <laughs> knowing all the people we antagonized in there, and weeks after it was the first time someone was was shot. It, it, because it's place. but it comedy at martinis was like elevator music. Like they're gonna draw, they're gonna pay attention every once in a while, but it's hard to offend people who aren't listening. But to think of how close we all must have been to being shot. I mean, I speaking of when you're only a year into comedy, 
the instinct you have to just trash hecklers add to the fact that that's the only thing that they ever responded to add to the fact that they were some of them were violent a lot of them all of violent violent people all of them add to the fact the atmosphere around that time which was which was much more vicious than it is because it was no one knew who they were yet in the group and and no one like no one had filed into certain roles it was kind of anarchy as to who was going to take the reins of this thing and so there was a viciousness there was nobody to go hey be nice to each other and don't just trash whatever we're at and so it was it was anarchy yeah it was it was a royal rumble imagine how close we good reference imagine how close we were to getting actually shot and stabbed there yeah because people who show up to martinis aren't people who have small egos no they're people who are uh from the streets like Like, me like there's (laughs) people who uh cuss a lot not like me they're people who are just you don't want to you actually bear with those people you actually are kind of from the streets no i'm very much from the streets and i gotta man i don't like it i I don't like that you can use that chip (laughs) look I gotta too, let the hood know I'm still here. God damn it! You're too whole. You look like you do the taxes for the streets right now. Like you're. I wish the people they will see the golf shirt you're wearing. No, oh, jeez. Straight up State Farm khakis right now. Nice glasses. You got a pillow on your lap for. I mean, this is not. Yeah, but you know how I'm from the streets. You know how. You know how you should know. These pants are are breathe friendly. Oh, right? they're flexible. For that big old. This this golf shirt. Is uh it also same thing, you know why? Because at any point, I may have to run. Take this shit off. <laughs> <laughs> I may be fired or have to run, and I got to be ready for that. I think that's why we hit it off so well from the get go. Is because you're from the streets. I am. You I'm, get it. I have. I have a you decent amount of street cred. You get it. I do. While other people probably look at me and like this guy's a fucking maniac. Sometimes you go, no, I get it. Yeah, I, 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 I get do. where that. I see where that is. Yeah, there's just something innate in you. That's rage. Just... I'm a rage-based organism. <laughs> is is it? Is that your nucleus? That's my new. Nu- but I don't like it <laughs> anymore. I really, I want to yeah, switch. Yeah, we don't like that. We're like this. No. This is just who we are. I would love to switch to an alternative source of energy. Yeah, you know what I would love to be? I'd love to be just the guy who pays $10 to go to a comedy show, guy who goes to the cubicle every day and just talks about their new Traeger grill or just talks about how they're trying a new recipe from the Oprah recipe book or, hey, did you hear about this? Or, hey, Jesse Penny got to sell on this or just talking about the sales because that makes you feel important. Hey, that's pretty cool. Yeah, but can you guess how much I got it for? Because I'm special. I got a sale. I wish that was my life, but it's not. And I hate those people. We've gotten to the point, you and I, where during the week we text each other quoting office conversations that we're overhearing and and things that are killing in the office environment and we don't even we don't even go like this is such bullshit or i hate being around it or like uh we just text it to each you'll text me a quote that just happened in your office and i'll read it and go oh my god that's easier to not kill myself because he's <laughs> dealing with it too well you know what you know what uh, i don't want to say pisses me off because that's a strong word and i'm not for strong words but you know what you know what irritates me the most about that is that every once in a while somebody i work with somebody i've worked with somebody in in that arena yeah will be like oh you know like hey i heard you do comedy yeah i do comedy like oh what are you into you know i used to i used to write comic books 
when I was younger, I used to write comic books and I had this illustrator and I was trying to do this thing. Cool. And it's like, and it's like wait, you had something that you used to love to do and you gave it you up. Quit. You gave it up. And I've heard you talk about how you like your steak five times. And I've heard you talk about how your sunflowers are growing at home. And I've heard you talk about all the list of chores you've had to do. I've heard you have 20 minute conversations about what your kids are up to. I've heard you have 30 minute conversations about your 401k. And the one interesting thing that you have, that one nugget that probably separates you from the rest of this office that makes you you, that if you could do anything, you'd probably still be doing that comic book. You wait until right now to tell me you should have led with that, right? Yeah. Because that and, should be you. Yeah. But you choose to talk about the Traeger Gil- Grill. You like killed you, it. Yeah. You killed the one unique thing about it. Yeah, and you. it's like everybody here has that like underlying, like like it's not at the surface, but there's this one, if you just catch them in the right spot, they're going to tell you about how they used to do gymnastics or they use like whatever, right? Like right. something very passionate. And it's like, oh, but we choose to talk about cake. Right. So we're we're as a group deciding that we're going to talk about our favorite Costco cake, but we're not talking about your comic book. We're not talking about how you were a third place gym gymnast. We're not talking about like all these things that make us us. For some reason, we walk in the store we're just neutered. Like we just stop talking about those things. We just stop being interesting and have these really bad conversations. And I love everybody I work with. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> And I love a lot of people who I've worked with before in the past. One or two. But it's like, can we have those conversations every once in a while? Can we, you know, can we take our little 15-minute meal break and talk about these things that's gonna, that, that are going to kind of endear me to you? Yeah, I just shut down. <laughs> I, <laughs> I do. I just shut down. I go into this blank stare. And I just go somewhere else in my mind, and if a bu- I'll, like I'll catch a buzzword, maybe I'll pop back in later. But I'll just even even when some of my more interesting friends are having mundane conversations, it, you saw it happen to me at Timbler. There were a couple comics talking politics, but not really talking politics, like talking the politics sentences that you hear all the time. And I just zoned out, and you're like, "You said, are you okay over there, buddy?" And uh, Jose, this new comic, said to me, "So you don't you don't like talking about politics or anything, man?" I said, "No, no, no. I, I don't mind talking about it, but if it's like the if it's like the first twenty sentences that like most people in a, in any given uh, position talk about, anybody can say those. So I don't need I don't need to say them. I'm just gonna zone out and like worry about the set. I'll them. jump in later when it gets interesting if it gets interesting. If, but spoiler alert, I doesn't get interesting. Never, it almost never does. Yeah, I was in a meeting the other day, and I think I texted this to you." where it was a team meeting so we're all sitting there and i'm sitting next to this guy who's a good guy like he's a real nice guy but we like we only go so far and we like hey how are you talks and he has this co-worker who just joined the team and the co-worker comes in and is looking like uh where do i sit and and my buddy who i'm next to goes like oh you can you can you can sit anywhere you want and the co-worker goes to sit down next to him and he goes just not that one and being a new co like just the instinct to pull the notebook back and not sit there like thought that the guy was serious for a second but he was only kidding and it destroyed in the meeting room of you would have thought that you would have thought Richard, you would have thought Chappelle just walked in and closed out his 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 last special the OJ Simpson callback 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 level crushed 
the room and I'm sitting there. I'm just trying to go to my happy place and be a way of life. Because I want to stand, again, me being too aggressive. I want to stand on my desk and look at everyone and go, are you fucking serious? Are you all fucking serious right now? I've said actual funny shit in these meetings and you all don't know what to do with it. And he just makes everybody feel strange. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. What is wrong with everyone? Who is making you so, act this way? I I I enjoy the work I do. No, I enjoy don't. the people I work with. It's still right? a lie. On an individual level, I like everybody. What I don't like is <laughs> this isn't necessarily only at my office. What I don't like is just having surface level conversations with people. Yeah. I don't like that all of a sudden we're in this space for eight hours together and we have to talk about our kids. We have to talk about like all these things in the moments that we get to talk to each other. Right. It's, and I get it. They're safe conversations. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I get that, but I just, I just want to get to know people just a little bit. Just give me a little under the surface. Just tell me you used to be a painter. Tell me something about right. yourself because I need that to believe you're more than Doug from accounting, right? Like I need that to be like, Hey, I like this guy because of X, Y, Z. Cause I don't, I'm not going to decide if I like you like contingent on how your Excel report looks. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I want to know you a little bit. I only got one window into that in a work in a, in an office workplace environment ever. And it was when I left my last job, I gave my two week or th- two or three week notice that I was going to be leaving and it was kind of a shock to a lot of people. And for that last two weeks, I think because people knew I was leaving, or people went like, oh, "He was, he's, he must not, he must not fuck around the way that we, most people who get hired here do." Because the place that I worked at last is very much a, people get hired there, and it's a great job, and it's a great place, and they, if you're anyone but us, and they stay there for like 35 years and retire, but also like. I don't know what I would do if I left this place kind of like not only like it's a good place that you like that I would want to stay for 35 years if I've got to work an office job. But most people are like, I don't know what would happen if I left this job. Yeah. But I'm I'm like there's still somewhere in my brain going like I can't believe I don't live in my car. I don't give a fuck if I don't work at this place. If it does if it's not where I want to be like, I, you know, I, I still have. So I I made the decision to leave. And when I did, it kind of sent shockwaves to some people of like, wow, I didn't, I thought he was one of those, I thought he was one of those. A lifer. A lifer. And there's also a very specific model of person that like got hired and wants to work his way to mid-level supervisor and will go to Kazakhstan to, to do it if that's what it takes and just move the family over there and, you know, you know all that just shit. Just run through that whole thing. And in that two-week window, people, it gave people the impression that they could just be candid and honest with me. And there were maybe a half dozen people in the building that just started telling me who they really were. And it yeah, was, I wish I could leave. It was f- not that, not even that. They're just like, I, I'm, they would say like, I'm not like the standard kind of person. I'm not the cookie cutter like is in this building either. Let me tell you some shit about me, like my real. And I got to learn. Like people started telling me when they used the, when they would do coke. Like people would tell, like, <laughs> people would tell me like their party stories. People tell me what they're really into, their hobbies. Talk about how they felt about what they what they actually went through in their divorce. It was an amazing. Two and it's weeks. like like you kind of w- I want those conversations not all, all the time. I want them like, all I, the time. <laughs> <laughs> but I just I want to get to know people. Like I want somebody like you're. 
like the one who told you that they did coke. Yeah. Like, well, you you have an abundance of those in the comedy group that could tell you. Oh those yeah, stories. those. Could, yeah, but I it get, worked. I get my fill of that. But it worked too. You want you yeah you want. Yeah, them. I just don't want. Be a I real don't person. want to waste my words with conversations that are about the weather. Um, I want to just. If we have to work together, I want to get to know you. I mean, I don't need to. I don't need to know, like that level. But I just, I just want to feel like. Here's like, what I want. I don't know. I just want to get to know people. Let can we just agree with each? Like, if we're coworkers, can we just agree that this is great? But now, let's roll our eyes too. Like <laughs> at my last place, I had a couple coworkers that. I could what I like to call complain about a great life with, which is there's something nice about going like, look, we've got we're in circumstances here that are a mate. We're, we, if we don't as long as we don't screw up, we're set for life. It's a great living. We got a place that treats us well, that seems to care about us, that cares about people generally, that cares about diversity the way that we'd like, that cares about safety the way that we'd like. But it's also an office, and I also don't get to talk about the things I like to talk about on a regular basis, and I don't get to sleep till noon, and I don't get to go out and booze all night if I wanted to because you got... Res- like, can we acknowledge that we have adult responsibilities that given $20 million we would not be doing right now, we would love to go do the comic book thing or whatever else this is a great life but also if there were if there were a way we could leave it behind and just go travel for three years straight we would can we just can we roll our eyes about the amazing life that we have and i don't have any co-workers like that now as soon as i bring up like this is kind of bullshit right they're like no this is great i'm like i know it's great but it's also yeah. bullshit but you know what you know what brings that that out of people though if you want to have those conversations, you know what brings that out of people? Go to your cubicle and ask anybody if they want to go in on a lotto pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, the conversation goes to, what would you do? Right? Because really, that conversation is, what do you want to do? But you know what? I'm too aggressive. Because there's going to be one person in that group that says... I'll be here on Monday. And I would say, oh, fuck you. <laughs> i'll be here yeah oh go fuck yourself i just I, I just i love to work what's wrong with you i have a professional chip on my shoulder where i do try hard at work because i feel like i always come at it as like i'm the dumbest person in the room and i can work harder than everybody else and i just feel that that's how i level the playing field yeah um but i am like i, I just i just want if I'm going to be spending eight to ten hours a day at a place i do want to have conversations like Look, I get it. I have to stand up at meetings sometimes, and I have to. Okay. We all have to be serious. We okay, all have to run shot. these reports. We all have what? Okay, Vi- I get. I, I get to stand up at meetings once every nine months. I talk to people. No, I get, I'm, I get I'm very, very low on the totem pole, so no, I, I don't get to do very much. But uh, I, I try to take pride in what I do, but also, I do. I just, I like to. Just step away for a second with people. Right. Not with whatever your title is. I don't want to step away with, you know, consultant of this or like blah, blah, blah. Like, I just, can I just get to know Kyle? Like, can I, can we just talk about not surface level things? And we don't have to go super deep, but I don't want to have, there's, I I wish I could make a list of these 30 conversations and never have those conversations again. Just post them in your, post them in your And as soon as somebody, (laughs) as soon as somebody brings them up, get a little, 
a little post-it and put it back. Like, she's like, oh, it's uh, Traeger Girls. Okay, not talking about that. We are not talking about that from here on you out. You just point to it yeah. on the wall. You put, you put your index finger to yeah. it and go, no. Weather. No. Weather. First, oh. first up. Oh first up. God. Let's not talk about the weather. Second up. Let's not, like, whatever. If you have a story about your kids... Ask yourself this question first. Would anybody would would anyone want to hear this story if it weren't their kid? That answer is always no. <laughs> Sometimes something really happens. But if not every Monday. Not every Monday. Kids are an important part of life. They're I had beautiful. To go- They're awesome. Here's the thing. I don't Nobody care. Like I, I do sets about my kids. Here's what I want. I want someone to go. I went to a dance recital to see my kids, and I can go. Oh, what was that like? And you get to go like, oh, I was there yeah. four hours. Now I loved when my kid went up, but when I had to watch these other goddamn or like just an honest. Yeah, moment. that that's an honest conversation because those are the conversations I have all the time. But if you have a person that goes, uh, you say, "What did you do this weekend?" and they say, "Oh, I went to my kid's dance recital," and then for the next eight. 18 minutes they go <laughs> it's funny we taught macy to sing blah 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 but when she got up there oh my god she said blah 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 and oh the music teacher almost dropped her wand when i mean you wouldn't bang i want to shoot yeah. myself in the f- i've bang. had i've had people seize up because i have oh i have a pretty unorthodox way of raising my kids i just don't hide them from anything right. i don't I don't treat them special, and I've told people that. Like, and, it, and people told seize up. I, 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 people seize up. Like, people would be like, "Oh, I'm putting my kid in piano and doing this and doing that," and, I, and they'll ask me, or like, it'll come up, and I'll be like, "Yeah, I don't know. My kid's not very special. Like, <laughs> I mean, they're special to me, right? Like, my daughter is the light of my life. So is my son. Here's the thing: they're not the light of your life. But I will and, say, and that may be working out well because. While your son is still, he's still too young to really know. It's still too young to know where he's going yet. Your daughter, I, th- I think, is actually going to be a remarkable person. <laughs> I like, hope so. For real. I hope so. Like, for real, she's, she is a remarkable child yeah. when you speak to her. Because, you know, you know how you, you know how you try, in my head, in order to be special, people all your life have to make you feel like you are not special yeah right because then you have to work for it or you just genuinely become the best version of whatever it is you're going to end up being because nobody's like being like hey go this way go that way i've brought my daughter to to comedy shows she's done comedy right but like i don't take her so she can do comedy i don't I, I take her because I want her to experience who I am to, as a father. And like, to ingratiate her into different things. Yeah, like, hey, this is what I do. I'm not going to hide you from this, right? And people seize up, like, immediately they'll see my daughter and be like, hey, can I talk? I was going to do this joke. And I'm like, do it. Because guess what? Yep. Last time she was there, I went hard in the paint. Yeah, on, and it's during like. During my set, and she didn't care. Yeah, like, because guess what? You know what you're going to run into in life? People talking about their ass, people talking about their penis, t- you know, like you can, this is real stuff because at, at, at some level, what we do, <laughs> you know, this apartment and run into people talking about their penis. Um, you know, 
I, I just thought about the listener at home for a second be like, you know what you're going to run into in this world? And so many times, <laughs> speaking of us marching to a different drum, so many times, you, like, <laughs> you know what you're going to run That's into? That's what we run into. You, you know what you're going to run into in this world? Most people finish that with people who don't care what your sensitivities are. The world wakes you up. <laughs> but, but you know what you're going to run into in this world? People talking about their ass, talking about their penis. It's That's real life. Fantastic. Oh, we talk about real issues out there, right? <laughs> like at the core of what comedy is, it's it's making light of real issues, yeah. right? If if we're lucky enough to get there and actually have that be our comedy, you know what? You know what you're never gonna run into? Talking horses. You know what you're never gonna run into? Bears that shoot rainbows out of their belly buttons. You know what you're never going to... Like, any of that stuff, right? Like, everything that occupies a child's day, that's not real. Like, you can have that, and I'll let you watch it. And I'll watch it with you. But I'm also not going to hide you from things that eventually we're going to have to talk about. Speak for yourself. (laughs) I've seen it. We had, like, I don't know. So I'm hoping that I'm doing the right thing by... I'm not exposing her to those things. I'm just not hiding her from those but it, things. But it seems to be paying off in spades because how old's Camila now? She's five years old. The last comedy show that you took her to at, at five years old, she went up and did comedy. Yeah, she told some jokes. She's extremely smart and articulate for her age. Like so, so much so, if you don't mind me speaking out of school, that you worry about her interactions with other children because they can't relate to her on the adult level she can relate. Yeah, she says things that are just um, a couple of notches. Of, like, I want her to be talking like that at like nine. She loses patience with children because they're not developed like her. Here's how smart she is. I caught, she, when we were, when you brought her to Iguanas, uh, she sat down and she had a, one of those little like kids coloring and counting and all that stuff. And as we were talking, she was asking me, she would ask me questions of what I was saying. And I was, I was teaching her things at the table and she was, she was messing with me while I was teaching her thing. That's where she's at. At five years old, I would teach her something and I'd watch and I would recall to see if she got it. And I watched her learn it. And when I brought it up and I said, okay, Camille, remember what is, what's, What's 10,000 plus 1,000? And I I would see it click in her eyes that she knew the answer. And and then she would mess with me. Like she she would go, um, 10, 70. (laughs) And I'd go, Camila, you know it. And she'd giggle and laugh. And then she'd go, 11,000. I'd go, Jesus Christ. This kid learned in 45 seconds, learned something, uh, the, the concept to which she probably hadn't come across yet before and learned it quickly enough that she could mess with me by pretending she didn't and come up with something figurative in her head to give a fi- a wrong answer on purpose. She's a good kid. I, and I will only say that on the podcast, but I'm not going to say it to her face. Because <laughs> that's, that's, where, that's, so that's where all the trouble starts, man. It's, let, it's, the reason why I, I, I love comedy, the reason why you probably love comedy, and the reason why we get along so well is because we're cut from this cloth of like chip on your shoulder, we're not special. We know we're not special, but Speak here's this thing that we love, right? Yeah. I want her to be that. I always want her to have that chip on her shoulder, and the only way I know how to give that to my kids is to not treat them special, right. is to not purposely expose them to things or hide them from things, like just run your day-to-day life and see what happens, right? Like, it it's just, let's see what happens. Like, I... 
not signing him up for 40 different things. And like when she finds whatever she's passionate about, yeah, that's cool. We could pursue that. Right. But I'm not going to be like, you know, what would look good on Instagram? My daughter playing piano. Right. Like, I mean, my daughter shits her pants like twice a week. Like I don't, she's not that special. I'm, you glad, know what I mean? I'm, I'm glad we got her age out first before that. <laughs> she's 22. <laughs> and she doesn't shit her pants twice a week, but I mean, she, yeah, I know what you mean. She, she, uh, you know, she's, she does regular kid stuff and it's just like, right. we'll see, we'll see what she turns and into. Also the way you exposed her to comedy is cool. You, you brought her and she wanted to go do jokes. So you let her go do jokes, but you didn't like, you're we're gonna teach you to you're gonna be a comedian and you didn't take a clip of her and try to do like look at a five-year-old does stand up everybody yeah no what i did with her is just if she likes it hey we're gonna go to this we're gonna go i'm gonna go tell jokes i took her out the first time she she just watched second time she told me she wanted to do jokes and i said okay that's fine so i didn't help her write a joke she just kind of knew the basic knock knock like what do you call this what do you call that like that kind of a thing right um but she wanted to go up there and i didn't push her to do it but i I think it's a good skill to have because it just teaches you not to be afraid of people yeah and i hope at minimum that's what she takes away from this if she never does any of this but i'm not like oh she liked it let's get her back up like let's keep doing this and nurture this talent like it's like no i'll bring her when i want to bring her and if she wants to do it fine um, and I, I may, I may have said this on another podcast, but it, it just like you get a bug and hopefully whatever it is, it doesn't have to be comedy. Like if she enjoys making pizzas, like whatever, I don't care. Uh, but she, the, the night at Iguana's, I think it was Alyssa Suggs or, uh, Jessica de la Garza, one of them, they were sitting next to each other. And when she got off from stage, my daughter heard one of them too, because they were the only female comics that were there that night. Yeah. Heard one of them say, Oh my gosh, I love that girl. And she told me about it that night when I, when I put her down for bed, she's like, dad, did you hear one, one of them said that they love me? And she's I'm like, Oh, she's, she's going to get it. Like she's, she's in for something, but she's like, it meant a lot for her, you know, to remember that. To, right. So she liked that, but I'm not going to push her to do it. Like if she, you know, she she, she sees it now. To, it's it's fine. at a young age, and if she if she finds it, she finds it. you. So you've exposed her to that in a no pressure way. You exposed her to baseball in a no pressure way. That didn't seem to be the thing. No, not her thing. Not she still thing. talks about how it's not her thing. That's so. <laughs> that's how I know that's not her thing. Because she'll be like, "Hey, Dad, remember we played baseball and I couldn't catch the ball and I just <laughs> wasn't that good." And I'm like, "Yeah, I remember. I you, remember you weren't good. Yeah, like." Did she say like I hated that? She hated it because she just isn't she's not fast right it's, it's not it's, she's not athletic also great for a kid at a young age to know what they don't like yeah. to, to just go like i don't like that shit at all like hey guess what you suck at that and that's okay you're gonna suck at stuff a lot yeah. more often than you're good at things you're gonna suck perfect for comedy yeah perfect i just want her to just just live life man just and, live man and then when she when she, her big night comes i want her to step off stage and just you know, celebrate with a big old thing of cocaine <laughs> for the first time. Yeah. For the Quit first crack time. Cocaine. Crack cocaine. Once you make it big and only the night you make it and big. And only the night you make it big. Smoke crack cocaine and Smoke a cigarette. Crack cocaine. I guess that's a as good a place to end it as any. Yeah, it, I think it, so. Unless you, you 
Do you have anything else you'd you'd like to discuss? I'll make a list of things I I really dislike about you. I my two things were nice. See, here's here's the thing. My two things were nice, and they came up organically. You're gonna come up with a list now just to hurt me, and that's different. (laughs) (laughs) That's different, folks. I hope you all recognize. I can still remember how that music used to make me smile And I knew if I had my chance That I could make those people dance And maybe they'd be happy for a while But February made me shiver With every paper I'd deliver Bad news on the doorstep I couldn't take one more step I can't remember if I cried When I read about his widowed bride But something touched me deep inside The day the music died So bye-bye, Miss American Pie Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry And then good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye Singing, this'll be the day that I die This'll be the day that I die Did you write? 